Welcome everyone to the Rethink It podcast, a podcast designed for equipping families and individuals struggling with brain health issues to identify practical, natural health science and lifestyle approaches to restore optimal brain health and prevent dementia. My podcast, my newsletter, my website, and my integrative practice all focus on providing down-to-earth solutions for upgrading and protecting brain health. This podcast is meant to supply women with brain fog and chronic health issues with the knowledge to choose affordable, effective tools and techniques that go beyond brain hacking. The goal is to preserve your quality of life, your health, your freedom, and your independence. I'm excited you're here today. I'm Sandy, your host for the next 30 minutes to an hour. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Rethink It, the Brain Health and Recovery Podcast and video. (laughs) Since we have recently talked about oral health and the connection between oral health and brain health, my initial plan was to follow that episode with a segment on the truth about fluoride and brain health, but there is so much valuable and relevant information out there that I need to share with you guys. I have a hard time deciding. So because I want this content to be memorable memorable, and to connect with you, I'm bouncing off some entertainment headlines that you might have seen recently. Um, as I was doing my mindless Facebook scroll, I came across a headline, Tori Spelling, mold is, is slowly killing my family. Um, so I'm a little late to most things when it comes to entertainment headlines. So I was a little late with this one. This article actually came out in May of 2023, but it caught my eye because mold is something that I test for routinely in my patients with brain health issues. Mold exposure has a lasting and really large influence on the brain and and the body if it's not addressed properly. It affects all ages, but of course, children have kind of a unique risk factor because their brains are still developing. So environmental toxins like mold have a more powerful and lasting impact. Um, Since the goal of this podcast, video, blog, is to really equip you guys with information to be able to biohack your brain and preserve your independence throughout the entirety of your life. I think this topic is a very relevant one. It's becoming something that I see more and more of an issue for people. It was certainly part of our story. So as some of you guys know, I grew up in a town on the Atlantic coast that was below sea level and just beautiful. It's a beautiful town. Moss hangs in the trees, marsh speckles the landscape, and it's covered mostly by um, salt water at high tide, but it reveals a whole new ecosystem at low tide, which I just, I just love it. The egrets and everything sitting in the marshland, it's just beautiful. I still miss the smell of marsh and salt water. It's just a beautiful smell. So maintaining a humidity that's rarely below 80%, even in the winter, this beautiful town, was and is an allergy nightmare for most non-natives and natives alike. I think the number one complaint that most people have when they move there um, is the severe seasonal allergies that they develop. Um, I know I came across many military families that went through there and they were like, these allergies, (laughs) they're killing me. So ENT offices there, allergy clinics, they're all really busy, have waiting lists. But why do so many people have such a struggle with allergies in that town? In this quaint town, with the constant humidity, the heat, the lack of altitude mixed with marshland, the air is ripe for mold, both outside and inside the home. 
you literally cannot get away from it. <laughs> On top of that, the beautiful 18th century Victorians that mark the downtown scene have survived hurricanes and flooding to be updated and renovated, and these are ripe with for mold issues all the way down to the subfloor, plus the outside of humidity, like they don't stand a chance. Um, but before you think you're immune to it because you don't live, live in a zip code below sea level, <laughs> The statistic on mold exposure across the country will absolutely shock you. I want to I want want you to go look at a few of these with me. Um, so number one, at least 45 million buildings in the United States have an unhealthy level of mold. 45 million. That's insane. The U.S. EPA-based study, there was like a study done a couple of years ago. I want to say it was like 1998 or something. It was 20 years ago. So. There's new data out there, but in 19, 1998, there was a study that was published that randomly selected um, 100 randomly selected public and commercial buildings across the U.S. and tested them. 85% um, of those buildings experienced past water damage and 45% had a current leak issue, like a water leak issue. That's half. That's insane. Um, in 2008, there was a study of 831 residential homes. So this is your home that you're living in from 75 different locations in the U.S. And it reported that 24% of those homes surveyed had moisture or mold problems. On top of that, the health impacts of mold exposure is very well known. Um, for example, infants who are born with mold or living in moldy environments are about three times greater, at, uh, have a three times greater risk of developing asthma than those who do not have an extensive mold exposure in their first year of life. How many people do you know that have asthma? <laughs> so that's a problem. 93% <laughs> of chronic sinus infections have been attributed to mold. I work in the hospital still as in, I do anesthesia and in the hospital, we have an ENT room that runs most days. And I'm telling you that one of the primary surgeries we do is sinus endoscopy surgeries. Well, according to the study from Mayo Clinic, 93% of those chronic sinus infections are likely related to mold. So that's a big deal. Um, when you're living in like this kind of environment, you kind of accept it as a normal thing. I mean, it is your normal. Like you, you really don't have a reference point. You kind of accept a constant drippy nose, itchy eyes, brain fog, skin issue, emotional swings as your normal. Um, you consider it normal for a toddler to have several rounds of antibiotics or sinus infections requiring antibiotics before they turn two. When I did my um, pediatric rotation in this town as a PA, uh, that was just something that was really common. <laughs> you just gave antibiotics and it was okay if there were several rounds of them before the age of two. Well, as we all know, antibiotics are not our favorite thing. We do not want to wipe out the microbiome. <laughs> especially not early in life. Now, imagine you have a child who's born by C-section who didn't get exposed to that healthy flora from the mother through the birth canal. Now we are giving them antibiotics. We're just really setting them up for less than success. So it's a, it's a big deal. Um, it, you know, it may not come to mind when you're living in mold that brain issues like ADHD or memory issues or sleep issues have anything to do with your home mold or your environment but nothing can be farther from the truth. In our family, mold is a major contributor to our health issues, including my son's ADHD, my autoimmune issues, my husband's heart issues, 
but it took a while for us to connect those dots. I remember um, returning like back to the town that I was grew up in several years after moving away. And I noticed my heart was racing. I had sleep issues, I had thinking problems. Like I had just slow, I couldn't, couldn't think quickly on my feet. And I had a whole host of other issues that quickly developed. And I was only there for a couple days at a time. So mold has a huge impact on the body. And the problem is that you can find mold in a lot of places. The thing you probably want to know about mold illness and mold toxicity is that mold exposure on its own, though not ideal, is not the only problem. The problem is that some people have a genetic alteration that leads to poor elimination of those mold spores and mycotoxins. And that leads to the accumulation of those spores or toxins. It leads to inflammation. The accumulation leads to inflammation. That leads to autoimmunity. And ultimately, we get that organ dysfunction that happens. So mold accumulation in the gut is also a huge challenge because there's this film that forms around the mold called a biofilm in the gut. And that biofilm encourages the growth of other unwanted bacteria or yeast or candida. So anybody's really dealing with it, candida may be dealing with some mold exposure. But before we get ahead of ourselves, <laughs> I need to point out one thing. Mold and mycotoxins are two different things. So mold spores can be inflammatory on their own, right? But mycotoxins, which result from the breakdown of mold, and they are far more damaging than the spores alone. So molds re reproduce by producing and forming these tiny spores that aren't visible to the naked eye, right? Mold spores are very hardy and they can survive under conditions that mold cannot usually grow in. So the spores can survive, right? So I take my moldy carpet um, that I've cleaned and I've sterilized and I've done all these things too. And I take it to a building that has a lot of moisture humidity and now i'm encouraging the growth of that spore that there was no mold in that carpet but now the environment is ripe there's spores that are present in that carpet now the mold will grow so it's a problem right um so that makes you know mold spores are hardy even in dry conditions so that makes you know a dry environment not necessarily a prevent a protective thing for you when you are um you know trying to get away from mold so the, the spores can travel outdoor and indoor, and when they land on a surface where moisture is present, mold starts to grow. That's why mold can still affect you in the Arizona desert. Like you can still have mold damage in Arizona um, or mold exposure in Arizona. So mycotoxins are, on the other hand, toxic chemicals that are present on the spores and they're small fragments of and, and small fragments of mold and fungus. So they're present on the spores and the fragments of mold and fungus that are released in the air. And they are often released when mold spores are destroyed um, with natural or synthetic antifungals. So when you kill the mold, sometimes you release the mold mycotoxins, okay? So let's talk about how mold and mycotoxins affect the brain because that's what matters. This is what this is all about, right? As we mentioned before, the health of the gut is um, directly related to the health of the brain. Um, so mold toxicity and accumulation of mold in the gut will have a direct impact on the brain. There are several ways that this happens. First of all, mold can, it can trigger a cascade of inflammatory responses in the brain. Um, there's always this cascade of inflammation um, that we're always trying to uh, figure out where's the root cause, right? 
Um, research has shown that exposure to mycotoxins can trigger the release of pro-inflammatory cytokines. Cytokines are things that, that like tell the body to create inflammation. And that leads to chronic inflammation. When the brain experiences inflammation, a harmful cycle begins. So it starts with mycotoxins causing disruptions of these like tight cells that protectively surround the brain called the blood-brain barrier. So here we go. We've got mycotoxins. They come into the body and then all of a sudden they're disrupting your blood-brain barrier, that protective barrier for, uh, that surrounds the brain. When that happens, other substances that that blood-brain barrier was like pr protecting the brain against are now allowed to easily pass into the brain and that leads to more inflammation, oxidative stress, and then ultimately it causes scarring and loss of function. And then of course, more inflammation, you know, triggers more leaky brain and all that stuff. So there's, that's a problem. <laughs> um, there was actually a study that was done in 2018 that demonstrated the link between mycotoxin exposure and elevated oxidative stress markers in the brain that confirmed that this actually happens. When oxidative stress um, and inflammation in the brain increases, it, it contributes to like, we call this aggregation of something called amyloid beta. Aggregation just means accumulation or, you know, so, uh, you know, an accumulation of am something called amyloid beta. And that amyloid beta is a byproduct of neural metabolism. But the thing that you need to know about it, it's a marker for Alzheimer's disease. So you know, this is a clear link to Alzheimer's. Another hallmark finding with dementia is something called neurofibrillary tangles. Neurofibrillary tangles. <laughs> I always have a hard time with it. Neurofibrillary tangles. So neurofibrillary tangles are a protein folding abnormality and particularly in a special group of proteins called the tau proteins. Okay. Pr proteins in general are highly affected by changes in electron movement and oxidation. And just if you want to hear more about how electron energy and frequency and all that has an effect on the cells, go back and listen to my podcast on that. Um, I think it's episode four or something like that. So go back and listen to that because it's really interesting. Really fundamentally, electron energy and frequency has a huge effect on the cells and the brain based on the electron movement in the body. So proteins are highly affected by the change of electron movement and oxidation. And so it's not a surprise that research is showing that mycotoxins are linked to abnormal protein folding and the development of those neurofibrillary tangles. Um, so one thing I like to test my clients for routinely is a, what specific type of mold or mycotoxin they have stored in their body. It's helpful to determine like the likelihood that the mold is causing brain issues. For example, there are um, mycotoxins called um, trichothecenes. Uh, we have all these fancy big words today. <laughs> trichothecenes that have been specifically linked to that tau hyperphosphorylation and aggregation, otherwise known as that protein folding issue we were talking about. about. So, you know, there's this known re research body that shows that these trichothecenes lead to this tau hyperphosphorylation and aggregation, which leads to that, which is what we're describing this fancy word for saying it leads to that protein folding issue. And that's obviously an acceleration, leads to an acceleration of the development of dementia 
and neurological decline. So other mycotoxins I, I commonly find in my chronic fatigue folks is aflatoxin and ocratoxin. That's a big deal because it, it basically, sh those two tox mycotoxins shut off communication between nerve cells. So it's like having the cube on your iPhone stop connecting to the power cable. <laughs> like they're no longer talking. So the neurotransmitters are those chemical messengers like serotonin and dopamine, and they regulate thinking, impulsivity, and mood, among other really important things. Um, there are even some recent studies from 2019 that demonstrated the, the direct impact of mycotoxins on the synaptic trans transmission, meaning that connection between the cube and the, <laughs> and the cord, um, making a, it a very clear, like there's a clear connection between the fact that mycotoxins actually reduce the transmission of your neurotransmitters and they reduce neuroplasticity, which is obviously going to lead to an issue with cognitive decline. So let's talk about plasticity for a second, because maybe that's a term that's new to you. Um, maybe it's not, but plasticity is a good thing. We want plasticity. Um, you may have heard that, you know, you play in puzzles or learning to dance or reading or doing something new, dance, aerobics, things like that as you age is really a good thing. And it is because this helps maintain those synaptic connections that we're talking about and the flexibility of your neurons. That's the way I'm going to describe plasticity, sort of flexible, right? It makes those neurons flexible. Um, we call that flexibility plasticity. Um, so when we have or neuroplasticity, we have a hard time learning new concepts and skills. You know, think of the old man with dementia, he's not going to learn anything new. Um, or even an autistic child, they have a hard time with getting new skills. They learn with learning new skills, they have poor plasticity. Um, so clearly, chronic exposure, when that leads to reduced neuroplasticity, it's going to trigger cognitive decline, memory deficits, and difficulty in concentration and, and focus, right? So, you know, mold is going to reduce neuroplasticity. That's a problem. <laughs> so the effect on of mold on the brain as we age is a complex thing. Um, a lot of different factors are involved in that. Um, but the, um, including, I, I would say, including things like we reduce, have a reduced level of being able to clear them. So some other factors that impede, like, um, mold clearance are things like inherited gene mutations. So we call those SNPs. Um, you know, you might have like a, a change in a gene in a gene that then reduces your ability to to clear mold toxins more. So that would be why you, Sally Sue, cannot clear toxins. You walk into a moldy building, you feel terrible. While Sally Jane over here walks in the same building and she's just fine. It's a gene mutation, um, inherited gene mutation that can affect that as well. So there's some estimates that about 25% of the, the population has a genetic predisposition that makes them more susceptible to mold illness. That is one fourth of the population. That is a lot of people who have sensitivity to mold. Um, other factors that affect whether you get sick with mold um, might be whether or not you're being exposed to other toxins. So like, are you being exposed to pesticides, heavy metals, or silicone like found in breast implants? Um, the, the consumption of alcohol will actually like block certain pathways in the liver and our cells, and that will affect it as well. 
where we are in our hormone journey. Um, like as women, even men, they have changes in their hormones as they age, but I'm more familiar with men and I mostly work with women. I'm more familiar with women. And I mostly work with women. So, um, you know, where we are in our hormone journey will affect how we clear toxins. For example, in menopause, we can have a reduced ability to clear all toxins, including mold. Um, so since we know that mold can lead to like brain degenerative issues, we can safely say that brain development is also affected. We can make that conclusion. It's a reasonable conclusion. There's a good bit of research that actually confirms this, this as well, the association between mold and particularly during critical periods of neural development. So, and, and how it can lead to like lasting changes in brain structure and function. So far, the research shows that prenatal exposure, so that's mom being exposed, um, that can lead to abnormal, listen, bear with me on these terms, right? Abnormal neural migration, neural tube defects, and altered brain architecture. That's from, that's literally directly from the studies, okay? Um, that leads to changes in the brain that, that basically are developmental issues like ADHD. ADD, ADHD, autism spectrum, things like that. So it's not that we just need folate while we're pregnant. So when you think, when I think neuro neural tube defects, um, and anybody who's ever had uh, a baby and maybe gone to the doctor, they'll tell you, hey, look, go get some, we need to be on folic acid, right? Folic acid to prevent neural tube defects. If you've never heard that, that's, that's why we give moms and <laughs> moms folic acid, or that's why we're encouraging moms in an obstetric clinic to take folic acid. Of course, I'm not a huge fan of folic acid in a synthetic form, period, because typically a large portion of the population cannot absorb that. But it turns out that it's not that we just need folic acid or folate. In my case, I would actually encourage you to take a more absorbable form of folate instead of folic acid. Um, but it's not that we just need that. It's, it's also the problem that the, the risk that you develop um, for developing these neural tube defects are not just from the lack of folate or folic acid. It's because maybe there's an exposure to mold in utero. So that's a big deal. Um, our exposure to mold has a really clear impact on the body and the development of the body, right? And the development of the brain and the preser preservation of the brain. But the impact of mold is obviously not just limited to the brain. It can have a systemic impact. It can lead to autoimmunity heart issues, and a lot more. Okay, I was shocked to discover the massive impact that mold can have on the heart when I was listening to a lecture by um, integrative cardiologist, Dr. Jack Wolfson. If you don't know him, look him up. He's got some great resources. He's uh, written a book called Paleo Cardiologist, um, which is, is a good uh, piece of information there. And maybe if you're a big reader, you might want to look it up. Look it up. So um, yeah, so he care, he shared like a case uh, he, well, in this lecture, he shared case after case, <laughs> multiple studies um, where his patients had heart issues ranging from rare diagnoses of lupus related cardiomyopathy to other more common things like coronary artery disease. And he showed how they were linked to mold. Like it, it was impressive. Mold exposure and mold illness is not a minor thing, y'all. It is not. Of note, and just my personal opinion, I believe that people who struggle with methylation issues like MTHFR 
are more likely affected by mycotoxins. Um, and these folks, who, these are the folks that need to be supplementing that methylfolate um, intentionally during pregnancy to ensure that they detox well. I think it's these folks that will experience more or more likely to experience neural tube defects. Some of the research supports that as well. So I don't think that it's just because they aren't, you know, don't have enough folic acid and just because of their methylation issues. I think it's the methylation issues cause the, cause the poor elimination of toxins. And plus then you get a mold exposure. Now you aren't clearing that mold. Now that baby's being exposed to mold and that leads to a lot of the problems that children develop in utero from a mom who has MTHFR. So the effect of exposure to mold and mycotoxins has a wide ranging effect on the brain um, with an obvious result of not being able to have clear thinking and having memory issues and also having some emotional balance. Like it can affect your emotions. If it affects the neurotransmitters, it's affecting your emotions. Um, it's a real thing. So mold can be very disruptive on the mood. That's a big thing that's often overlooked. Um, what the studies are showing is that a link between mycotoxin exposure um, affects, there's a link between the mycotoxin exposure and endocrine system. So your thyroid, your hormones, your, you know, your endocrine system. This obviously, obviously leads to thyroid dysfunction and female hormone imbalances and neuroendocrine dysfunction leading to symptoms like anxiety, depression, aggression, personality changes. So that's the skinny on um, mold exposure and it's linked to the brain. A brain on fire is a brain that does not develop well or a brain that starts to scar and decline. So I guess the question is, what do we do about it, right? I mean, we got all this data, we got all this information, clearly mold has an effect on the brain and it's not a positive one. And even if you detox well, it's not ideal to be exposed to mold, but can you really get away from it? <laughs> so that's the, that's the million dollar question. So first of all, you need to know your risk factors. Are you living in a place that is endemic with mold, like a tropical area, maybe below sea level like I was, um, or do you have water damage in your home or in your shower? You know, it could be that you have just one area of your home that's got some mold contamination that's significant. Do you have a wet basement that you visit often? I had one client who kept all her, you know, canned foods that she worked so diligently to can every year in her basement. And she hung her laundry in her basement because she lived in a cold environment and she didn't want to use a dryer. And she hung her clothes outside in the winter, in the summertime, but in the winter it was too cold. So she hung it in the basement which was impregnated with mold. That's a big deal. You know, now you're, now you're putting it on your clothes and you're putting it on your body and you're breathing it as every day. So um, those are just environmental risks. So there's other unique health risks that you might want to consider that put you at higher risk as well. So consider the, the question, do you know that you have a methylation issue? Like, do you know you have a mutation like MTHFR? Um, if you don't know that, maybe you might ask yourself a question like, do you have issues with fertility? Um, one thing that I see and connect with um, detox problems is post-operative nausea and vomiting. So post-anesthesia, nausea and vomiting. There's a category of people um, that I see in the OR that will have severe nausea and vomiting with anesthesia. Um, and it's just because they just cannot clear those anesthetic toxins very well. 
that just an indication for poor detoxification, right? So that's one thing. How about, do you have a mouthful of amalgams? If you have a ton of mercury amalgams in your amalgams, meaning those fillings, those silver fillings, do you have a bunch of silver fillings? Those silver fillings, every time you bite down, you're, you're releasing ethyl mercury, which is a, a gaseous mercury. And we, you're getting that literally exposed directly to your brain. Um, it is causing, you know, micronutrient um, blockages. It is causing detox pathway blockages. It is causing all kinds of, it's fully exposing your body to mercury. So is that an, you do have mercury in your body. Um, do you have saline implants? So breast implants, um, there are two categories to look at. Saline implants are actually specifically more at risk for um, getting, giving the, it's tied to mold. Okay. So like there's more mold in saline implants. If you have saline implants, there's very high chance that you have a mold issue um, tied to those implants. If you have silicone uh, implants, you know, we've got with the saline, you got a silicone usually, some kind of silicone outer outer shell. But if you're all silicone, you're not off the off the hook either because those implants can actually block. They release silicone into your body, and this can actually block liver pathways and your detox pathways. So, so implants are a big deal. Um, do you have brain fog? Do you have irritability? Do you have fatigue? Do you have heart arrhythmias? And are those things something that you notice in certain environments? Those are questions you might want to ask. Do you have chronic yeast issues on your skin, on your toes, vaginally? Do you have any, like, that's a question you might want to ask yourself. So those are all indications of issues with clearing mold and mycotoxins. So I guess the million dollar question is what do we do about it, right? I guess that's what you're here for. Yay, we all know mold is a problem. Tori Spelling figured that out, right? She knew this mold was killing her kids. Um, and it, if you go back and read the article, um, she was living in a, a building that had mold and her kids were going back to the hospital weekly with some new infection constantly on antibiotics. It was it's a really sad story, but she connected the dots and uh, kudos to her for advocating for her kids. So, so what do we do that, about it? Um, First of all, you need to figure out your source. If you are indeed exposed to mold, that's number one. You need to figure out your source. Where is it? Um, I will put a link in the show notes for a mold detecting kit that I use and that I recommend, and it's also on my website. Um, and it it's very sensitive for not just identifying if you're exposed to mold, but also what kind of mold is in the environment. So that's super helpful, especially for the next step, which step number two, it may actually, maybe, maybe you should do this as step number one. I don't know. <laughs> step number two would be to have yourself tested for mold exposure. Um, it's absolutely my baseline panel to test everybody for mold, mycotoxins, para uh, parasites, environmental toxins, glyphosate. Like toxin panel includes everything from environmental to mold um, toxins. And then, you know, we're always going to check the gut. But those are just baseline labs that I check on everybody because I can't, if I miss the mold and I don't treat it and we don't clear it, we're going to continue the cycle of inflammation. And, it, and it's a, not a fun thing to be living with. It really suppresses your immune system and it causes all kinds of problems. So you want to have yourself tested for mold. And it's better, of course, to work with a functional health practitioner who will guide you in the process and tailor like your healing journey and 
how to address the mold, depending on what kind of mold you are exposed to. And, and given your unique detoxification, you know, considerations, are you, are you MTHFR? Do you have a comp mutation? Do you have liver? Do you have silicone implants? Do you, do you have those things? And we now we know we have aspergillus, right? What are we going to do? That means we're going to do something very different for you than I will for John, who might just be drink alcohol every, every so often. And he, he, you know, has no other issues. Um, John has just got mold exposure. Well, his, his plan is going to be very different than yours, right? So how do I remediate mold in your body? That's probably something you want to know because this is biohacking, right? So to break up mold, we really have to pay attention to the fact that there's this biofilm um, that develops. Biofilm is something that is well known in environmental and biological medicine. In fact, there's a ton of crossover between like environmental uh, science where they've been working on things like pond scum elimination so that they can get and get the, the, the water aerated in ponds and areas, lakes and rivers that surround communities. Pond scum blocks aeration of a pond. So it's something that we know about in biological medicine, but it happens in our body as well. Um, this biofilm will cr be created around things. Um, Lyme is one area that has a clear biofilm. If you cannot disrupt that biofilm, you are not going to kill that mold, right? So the film that create is like a it's like a dome around mold, okay, and then the gut and in certain areas of your body, that film will just pre like prevent any kind of treatment. Even if you give the person nice statin, it's not gonna pen it's not gonna penetrate that biofilm. So the first thing you have to do is bust up that biofilm, right? And that's best done because biofilms are complex, even in this environmental fields in Ponscom treatment. <laughs> They use natural products. They are far more effective than um, chemical products. So um, it's best done with herbal products. Essential oils are actually a great way to sort of break up some biofilm, depending on which, which ones. Um, they will also kill mold spores, by the way, if you use essential oils, you're a big fan of them. I am. Um, essential oils will kill mold spores, but don't forget when mold spores and mold are killed, they will release that mycotoxin. So um, be sure if you're using essential oils um, that the newly released toxins don't harm you. You might want to use something like a binder, like uh, charcoal binder or one of the cell core binders that are on, you can go to our website and find them. Um, you know, bind up those those toxins that have just been exposed uh, or released when you break up that biofilm. If you have severe mold issues, I recommend that you go for the bigger guns and use like activated charcoal or something to bind up those mold toxins if you are busting through biofilm around mold. So, or killing mold specifically, you really wanna capture that stuff harsh, uh, hard and intact, like really, really strongly. Um, activated charcoal is a great way to do that. Make sure you're using an activated charcoal that comes from a biological source like coconut hull, okay? Don't use activated charcoal that you get at the grocery store that's from who knows what, and it doesn't say what it's from. You want to make sure that activated charcoal comes from something like burnt um, coconut hull, not burnt who knows what wood, pesticide sprayed wood, right? Um, so that's just one caveat there. Um, some of the basic steps in, mold, in the mold protocol is, or to mitigate your body, is to do something calling what we say 
kill, bind, and sweat those toxins out. Kill, bind, and sweat. And I'm using that that phraseology who that was actually coined by Dr. Jess. She's one of my um, functional health colleagues. And she she has a whole protocol called kill, bind, and sweat. And that's basically what we do, right? We kill the mold spores, we bind them up, and we want to sweat them out. So kill um, kill those mold spores with essential oils, with biofilm busters like caprylic acid and oregano extract. You want to bind, bind it with things like zeolite and charcoal and carbon technology like that you would find from Cellcor's products. They have carbon technology in there. And you want to sweat them out some of those mold toxins and stuff like that are they get stuck in your lymphatics so getting in there exercise and get in the infrared sauna is really good uh caution to you ladies out there who are eager to do this but you have breast implants okay don't make this the mistake that i did and do infrared saunas with implants and unless you want to gain weight and further disrupt your hormones true story <laughs> do not do that that's exactly what happened to me so i don't want you to Make that mistake. Do not make your implants leak more silicone by heating them um, in an infrared sauna. So do you think that you have health issues from mold or mycotoxin? Um, let me know how mold has affected you in the comments and let's build a community that um, of millions for millions of other people out there that have struggled with this issue. Let's like support each other and encourage each other. It's not an easy thing. You can't, sometimes you can't move from your home. So what are you going to do? Um, you know, the, that's the million dollar question. You want to find somebody who can help guide you through that step. Get out there, reach, reach out to one of the functional health practitioners in your area or myself. Um, and, and let's get a plan going because you really do, you know, in my world, I left that area, the entire area that I was living in to come to a drier climate to give my son who had Lyme. A fighting chance because the mold was so endemic. I couldn't get his immune system under control. I couldn't get his inflammation under control. And so I could not get him his Lyme really resolved until I got him the mold under control. So it's a big deal. And I don't want you guys to feel like you're alone because it's you're not alone. <laughs> and so you guys get out there and comment in this video and this podcast. Um, let people know your story and what you've done how you supported yourself, um, if you had some success. And of course, feel free to make a, reach out and make an appointment with me if you want a more intimate support um, using the links below. I'll include those in the show notes. So thanks you guys for joining me on this episode of the Rethink It podcast and video blog. Um, I hope that it has been a blessing to you. Remember to like, share, and comment to help build our community. And I'll see you next time. Bye. For the next six months, as we try to get the word out there about this podcast content, we are offering a very special promotion. We will be doing a drawing to give away a free MRT food sensitivity test, which samples the top 88 common food sensitivities. This test has a value of $399 and we will be giving it away for free. MRT is the most advanced and reliable test for hidden inflammatory reactions to foods and food chemicals and it identifies your best foods. So this is not an allergen test, this is a food sensitivity test. This helps you when you identify your best foods and I, all those hidden inflammatory reactions. It helps you make a strategic food plan in order to rapidly reduce systemic and digestive inflammation which improves outcomes of any other digestive health program that you're currently participating in. This is something I do for a lot of my clients. 
um, in order to rapidly get ahead of the inflammation that they're dealing with. For more information about the test, please go to our website, beyondbrainhealth.com, and check out the Direct to You labs. We'll, provi- we'll also provide a link for you in the show notes, so you can check that out as well if that's an easier direction for you. But as I said above, I am excited to offer this test, this $399 test to you for free. Here's how you qualify to get it for free, okay? So I'm going to warn you, since this test is almost $400, there are a few steps you must qualify, I mean, you must follow to qualify for this drawing. Okay, it's a $400 test, so it's not just one step, you guys. (laughs) So here we go. Go to your show notes on whatever podcaster you're listening on, whether it's Google, Apple, or Spotify. Give us a rating, good or bad. I appreciate both. And comment on the podcast. I really appreciate the honest feedback, especially as I'm growing and learning this whole podcasting education process. I want you guys to really enjoy our time together. So let me know how I'm doing. All right, number two, step number two, you will also follow us on Instagram or Facebook, please, and give us a comment there as well. Those links should also be found on every single episode of our show notes. So you just need to open the show notes that you're listening on right now and, you know, click, click the link to your Instagram or Facebook, um, whichever you guys prefer social media platform that you prefer to be on and follow us there and give us a comment. And lastly, to qualify for the drawing, please share this podcast with at least one person. Okay, so to sum up, you're giving us a rating on your favorite podcaster, whichever one you prefer. You're going to follow us on the podcast and on Instagram or Facebook, whichever you're on, and give us a comment on both. And lastly, you're going to share this content with at least one person. That's a few steps, but it shouldn't take you more than 60 seconds to complete all three. We will be doing the drawing on December 15th, 2023. So let's get the word out there. My hope is that this podcast has left you with a few new insights, hopefully some encouragement, and most importantly, some actionable steps forward toward healing your body and your brain. If you found this content helpful, please don't forget to give us a like and and share it with someone else who might benefit from it. Also, don't forget to follow us on our Instagram and Facebook pages. I love hearing from you guys. I look forward to spending some time with you again soon. So until then, celebrate the small victories. There really is hope for lasting healing.